The Cambridge Dictionary defines the verb grace as being in a place and making it look more attractive. Well, that's the thing about parenthood. Sometimes it's the last thing you think when you hear that word. But to us, for something to be beautiful, I mean truly beautiful, it has to be imperfectly perfect. There is no right way to be a parent. There is only doing it to the best of your ability. And that is what we define as growing with grace. Welcome to our podcast. Episode eight. This episode, we're going to talk about how we take care of ourselves. And it doesn't necessarily have to be just for parents. It could be for people in general. But because we are parents, that's probably going to be a part of it as well. But I think that this is an important episode for a lot of people to hear because it's important to remember that along with everyone else, you have to take care of yourself as well. Hi guys, it's Sila. I'm just here to remind you to check out our website, growingwithgracepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at growingwithgracepodcast. We are live on all major platforms. So you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. If you have an idea for an episode or any questions for us, you can send us an email to growingwithgracepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, so episode eight, we're going to talk about how we take care of ourselves. It's easy to forget that along with everyone else that we have to take care of, we really need to make ourselves a priority, especially if you're a parent taking care of someone else, like children or family members or parents. It can be really hard to find time to nourish yourselves or remind yourself that you also need to be taken care of. So I guess now that you're entering this stage of life, Ty, do you make time for yourself now or is it harder? What do you find? How do you balance that into your day as being a new parent? So I've always kind of made it a priority to take care of myself, even pre having a child. I did things that were things that made me happy specifically. And during my pregnancy, when the pandemic hit, I think that kind of sidetracked me and my priorities and my goals. And it made it a lot harder for me to stick to my routines, I guess. Now, after having a baby, I kind of let go of that priority. And I really just focused all of my effort into Jeffrey and taking care of him. And I did start to notice that I was having a really hard time finding that balance of making time for myself and doing things that I wanted to do. And it was actually my husband who pushed me at, I think around five months postpartum or so he, he had encouraged me to start doing some of the things that I like to do. And that made me happy that I, you know, was involved with before I had a baby. And it seemed so impossible at the time. I, you know, I thought I'll never have time to do that again, but I started doing those things again back in December, right around Christmas time. And I've continued to make, um, those a priority for me. And I guess now I do find time to take care of myself and it doesn't always go the way that I plan it as we all know, but I always try to remember that something is better than nothing. Mm. So even if it's just 20 minutes of me time, that's something right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did you feel like before you had kids, was it hard for you to set your stuff as a priority? Like, cause there are other things in life that need to be taken care of, like jobs or, you know, your partner, or again, family members that may need help or assistance. 
So do you feel like there was when you, before you had kids that it was easier for you to focus or did you have a hard time kind of finding your niche of what, what it was that you brought you happiness or you could do to kind of feel your soul? So I, I definitely think before having children, it was a lot easier or I guess in, you know, hindsight is 2020, right? So in, in retrospect, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, you know, I had so much free time. I had so much time that I could do pretty much anything that I wanted to do while I did have a dog and I did have a boyfriend and that did require some time and effort on my part to take care of them in some ways. There were nowhere near as demanding as having a baby mm-hmm. on my schedule or on my, my personal time. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that, yes, having a child has made it a little bit more difficult to find that balance, but I don't think that it's impossible. I think that if you make something a priority and, and you, can, you can achieve whatever it is that you want to do, whether that's go for daily walks or start exercising or eating better, if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> there's definitely like a happy medium between all of that because when your hands or when your plate gets more and more full, again, kind of tipping our hat back to another episode, we had talked about seasons of life. You go through these periods where you have more, like you were saying, more demands on you. So now you have a baby and a husband and a dog, but there may be something like health, like family health. So for example, my mom right now is struggling with her health and then her dog is struggling. So it's there. And then my grandmother um, was living with my mom and she moved in her own place. So there are things that can happen that can add to your plate, but I think it's really, really important to remember that you are a piece of that plate. That plate is yours at the end of the day. And you have to, you have to kind of micromanage what's on your plate and and what you have to give, because as much as you want to fix all of those things or help with all of those things, you only have a plate to give and you only have, you know, as, as many slivers as you can. And you can't forget that you can't give your whole plate away. Otherwise you'll, you'll be left hungry. And that's, that's where it becomes a real problem. I think. Yeah. And I think you and I are completely different when it comes to that. So let's talk a little bit about you and how you find time for yourself, or do you find it difficult to find that balance? I know we talked about seasons and I definitely think that there are seasons in life, maybe for you and definitely for me, where I did feel like my plate was I don't like the analogy for the plate. I prefer the cup. <laughs> I guess, I guess my cup okay. was, you know, kind of empty and I was trying to give, and I just had nothing to give at that point. Um, but, mm-hmm. but what about you? Do, how, how do you feel right now? Or can you think of any particular seasons where you felt like your cup wasn't full and you just didn't have anything to give? That's kind of hard for me because I feel like I'm innately a, a people pleaser and a giver. And that part of me has always driven my um, desire to help everyone around me so high and kind of almost not to be dramatic. And again, it's just how I was raised or how I kind of developed that. I, I give so much of myself that I have nothing left for, for me at the end of the day. And I was running on empty for a long time. I mean, like even years and to have to spend your time trying to take care of everyone else around you it really wears you down mentally, physically, every piece of you, you just become so tired because you have nothing left to give. And you, and when you have nothing left to give and and you've given it all, you hit this wall where it literally, it shuts me down. And even I, I'm now that I'm like 28, I'm kind of figuring out, okay, 
why am I having these like emotional breakdowns sporadically? And I'm realizing that it happens after, you know, a prolonged period of me not recognizing my body and my mind telling me that I needed time for myself. I needed to stop saying yes. I needed Mm -hmm. to stop, you know, tending to everyone else's wounds and look down and realize that I needed Mm -hmm. to rest too. And that can be really hard to go from one kind of inferno to the next because you or, or myself anyway, I was a young mom. I was teen mom. I had grace at 16. So I went kind of from adolescence and not knowing anything, but thinking I knew everything. And it's kind of a state of duress. Like you're, you're going through life, trying to figure out where you're, where you're headed, how it's going to happen. And then I was thrown into parenthood, which, you know, I accepted full heartedly and I, I stepped up to the plate and I was like, let's do this. If I was responsible enough to make these choices, I'm responsible enough to see it through and take care of, you know, this little person that I've decided to bring into the world. And it kind of went from that. And then my grandmother had Alzheimer's. So I had grace when I was 16 and my grandmother had Alzheimer's. So we lived at the house with her and I would, I was literally her live-in caretaker. I would, every morning I would change her diaper. I would have to shower her along with having a newborn and along with trying to figure out, you know, a new family between Nick and I and being at my grandparents' house and taking care of her with her um, failing health. It, it can, it, it kind of feels like it, I've jumped from one hot pan to the next and I'm just now realizing that, you know, I have the ability to, to step in. You know, I have the ability to pause before I have to jump and I need to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And I guess I've never really thought about all of the things that you've had to kind of take care of over the years. And part of me is like, well, why would I have, you know, it's just, I just was very focused on myself for the last 11 or 12 years. And I've not been, I guess, there on a day-to-day basis to see, even though we do talk every day. And Mm. I I hear you talk about certain things that you may have struggles with, but it's just, I guess, different to really think about it now and try to almost put myself in your shoes and imagine me trying to take on some of the things that you've taken on over the years. I I can't imagine doing all of it. Yeah. And and not to sound like a martyr, because again, at the end of the day, no one forced me to do these things. No one said you have, Mm -hmm. these are all just life choices that I made. And sometimes I wonder if I'm, I don't want to say like a glutton for punishment, but I kind of feel like I I need, not that I need a struggle, but that I relish in it. And I acknowledge like the fact that I feel immense strength from being able to go through these things and, you know, hold myself together while occasionally having Mm -hmm. a few mental breakdowns along the way. I, you know, I, I allow myself four hours or a day of literally just just crumbling under the pressure because it, it's heavy. It's heavy to have to carry those types of things. And then with Jack having his being, having autism and then the Chiari's coming forward and us being, you know, single young, not single, but, you know, unmarried young parents, teen parents that in itself has enough struggle. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe the type of the pushback that people give you for being a young parent and thinking that, you know, nothing. And I'll be the first to tell you, I did know nothing. And I see, I, I looked around for help um, and to take advice from people who had done it. But the older I get, the more I'm realizing that no one knows everything, no, you know, and it's good to have other perspective, but it's also good to believe in yourself and, and to not have to listen to the naysayers of being like, you know, you didn't do it right. I did the best of what I, of what I had. And I'd like to see someone do better, you know, cause I, I know I did a good job. You've done, you've done an incredible job and don't let anyone ever try to tell you otherwise. Yeah. But it's, but it's not, easy. And, and I, and I think that's something that, that we're not, we don't talk about enough as, as people and as parents that, you know, 
besides all the beautiful pictures on Facebook that we post of our kids smiling and looking happy behind every picture of that, there's 10 more of the kid crying or being fussy or not wanting to eat or not sleeping or waking up six times throughout the night. There's so much more to it or biting kids at daycare (laughs) or biting kids at daycare. (laughs) Do you want to elaborate? (laughs) Yeah. Just a little side story yesterday. I picked Jeffrey up from daycare and I guess he bit two of the children one of the instances, I guess he actually crawled onto another child, held them down and bit them. Definitely his fault. <laughs> totally not cool. The other instance was another baby put their finger in Jeffrey's mouth and he bit down on them. So I was shocked, horrified. I did not know what to say or do. I just kind of looked at the daycare teacher and I'm like, what do we do? Us together, right? Like you're going to discipline him. Right. And she, we won't go get into that, but um, yeah. So you're absolutely right. For right. every for every smiling picture that you see on social media, there are a hundred pictures behind that one to just not be the smiling, happy, happy moments. So I hear you. And I do hope that reflecting on these years of you kind of trying to pour from that cup that wasn't full, I hope that now you can start mm-hmm. to realize how important it is for you to keep your cup full. So that way you do have stuff to give and you're not just pouring from an empty cup. I mean, I'm definitely cognizant of the fact that I need something in my cup to give, especially now as before I would literally be running on fumes. I have nothing left and I'm, it's not something you can just switch off being one way all of your life. You can't, I can't just shut it off and be like, okay, I'm going to start saying no, and I'm going to stop and I'm going to focus on myself, but it's definitely something that I have to focus on and, and, and make a priority and say to myself, you know, even if this is uncomfortable for me to say no to, you know, Brandy asking me to go somewhere because I don't want to be in the house, but I knew, I know that it's going to cost me something mentally and physically to, to leave the house. I have to be able to say, okay. And it's not that like Brandy wouldn't be upset. She would totally understand, um, you know, or having a play date that I planned three weeks ago that I'm like, oh, yikes, what did I sign myself up for knowing that this week just didn't go as planned. And it was, it went harder than what I thought it was going to be. And I haven't slept in three days and, you know, there's just things that are unforeseen and you have to give yourself grace through it all. And I think that that's something that I'm realizing more so now than I ever have before. Yeah. I, I think that's well said. Absolutely. So going off of that and kind of elaborating whether or not we can find a balance, which I think we've established, it's not something that is easy. It's a battle that you fight every day. What do you do to take care of yourself? What are some things that you do for yourself to make you a priority? So prior to having a child, I was very focused on my, my health, physical health and Mm -hmm. my nutrition. I was very aware, I guess, of what food I was consuming. I wasn't always the best with my nutrition being immaculate, but I've always been somebody to read labels. I understand macronutrients. I understand nutrition facts, and I've always made it a priority to care about my health mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. So for uh, gosh, years I've paid for having coaching, like a physical coach to write the programming for me. And so programming is in workouts or programming is in food elaborate. A so little. I'm talking about programming when it comes to exercise. So strength training and conditioning. Um, so that's something that I've always made a priority for myself. And you may ask like, well, don't you know how to work out? Like it's simple, right? You just go for a run or you lift weights or yes, like it can be that simple, but having a coach allows you to have some level of accountability 
And Mm -hmm. I found that to be very motivating and to be helpful to actually keep me on a program or a plan. Mm -hmm. So pre-pregnancy, that's something that I always did. There were a few times um, pre-pregnancy throughout the years that I did pay for having um, nutrition coaching or counseling as well, but that wasn't something Mm -hmm. that I stuck to because there were, I just pretty much ate mostly the same things and my weight never really fluctuated or did anything crazy. And I guess it just wasn't a priority for me at that time. Then Mm -hmm. when I got pregnant, I decided to stop doing the coaching that I had been doing. And I started using a, it's kind of what we call like a cookie cutter program, which means that Mm -hmm. you go online and you pay like one fee and you get like a program sent to you and it's anybody can use it. It's the same program for everybody. So it's not customized one-to-one based on your specific goals, based on your specific needs, but I really did enjoy it. And it was Mm -hmm. um, through a a program called the pregnant and postpartum athlete. So I can maybe put some, a link to that in the show notes. If anybody that's listening is pregnant and would be interested in doing some like workouts that are safe for pregnant people. So I started doing that. And then shortly after I started doing that program, our gym shut down. So that was a huge shock to my routine. And once the gym kind of shot down, shut down, I stopped working out. And a few weeks went by and I started to notice that you know, I just wasn't feeling great. I was getting bigger because I was pregnant and I was going for lots and lots of walks. My husband and I would walk like every single day during the early days of the pandemic, but I just was not strength training like I had been. So after I had Jeffrey in July, mm-hmm. I, the same uh, program that I did the, the pregnancy training with also does like a postpartum eight week program that you can start at about five, six weeks postpartum. So I started that, but I didn't have a gym to go to and I wasn't consistent. And in those real early days, six weeks postpartum, it's really hard to have any kind of routine, whether that's for you or the baby or your family or anything. So, and it wasn't filling your cup anymore. Like if something's not helping you or adding to your cup, you're, I'm sure that's when you decide, okay, what else can I do? Right. I mean, at that point I was breastfeeding, like, it just felt like around the clock, I had a baby attached to my breast eating. So it just took up so much of my time. And I just really felt that I did not have time in retrospect. I think that I did have the time. I just, it wasn't a priority for me. Well, and, and yes, and give yourself grace in that. Don't feel guilty about that because having, you know, when you have to break it down to priority is rest, you know, you have to there and there are basic needs that our bodies need met, our bodies and minds need met. So don't feel guilty about your thing or your, the, the thing, the item that you choose to take care of your body as being something like an app or like a treat, like a special food treat or whatever that brings you joy. Right, right. For sure. And I, I agree with that. And I, it's not necessarily that I, I feel guilty. It's just, I truly believe that you can do anything. You just can't do everything. And you have to focus on what it is that you truly want. What is an actual priority for you? And sometimes that in and of itself is a really hard thing for us to do because there's so much coming at us every single day from all different directions. And it's just information overload. And it's really hard to actually sit down, focus and say, okay, what is it that I want to do or accomplish, especially when you become a parent and you're working, or even if you are just a stay at home parent, there are so many things that need to get done. There's laundry, there's dishes, there's cooking, there's keeping 
the house clean. There's just all of these things, finding enough things for the little ones to do, finding stuff for you to do. And it's just, it can be kind of very Mm. overwhelming. So I definitely think having a schedule or planning your days out the day before the night before, even the week ahead, as much as you can, obviously, you know, be flexible and things aren't going to go hundred percent to plan, but I definitely find that I do better when I have stuff systems set up ahead of time that allow me to just execute things mm. as they come. So sometimes I have to say as someone who's probably prone to anxiety, the idea of, of having a schedule filled day is good, but also it can be overwhelming in itself that in itself can be overwhelming too. I mean, to talk about like mental health, the idea Mm -hmm. of staring, and even if it's something as simple as like do the dishes that can be like that. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm a little bit of a rut of how, you know, how do I pull myself out of this? Because I just feel so far upside down. I can't even figure which ways up, you know? I know. And sometimes, and, and I get that way too. I just get overwhelmed by like the amount of tasks that I have to do. And we we've talked about this before where you put off a task that's really silly And then you end up doing this task, like say it's organized your pantry and it ends up taking you 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you have so much satisfaction after you were done doing that. Like, why did I put that off? You know, like Mm -hmm. it made me so happy to get that task done and it really didn't take that much time or effort. So why was I so afraid to kind of get that ball rolling? But back to the question. So how do I take care of myself? So in the early days postpartum, I wasn't really doing a whole lot. And I would say around five months postpartum, I was starting to get pretty irritable. I had just gone back to work. I was not doing anything for myself. I had a hard time leaving Jeffrey because I had just gone back to work and I felt really guilty about leaving him at daycare all day long. And then, you know, I'd pick him up in the afternoon and he would only be awake for a little while. And at that point in time, we didn't have a really good bedtime routine. Mm -hmm. The baby would be up pretty much until the time that we'd go to bed. And that in of itself can be really stressful and hard in your relationship because now you as new parents, you have no time, Mm -hmm. alone time to spend together. And that was taking a toll on me and my husband. So I think it was around December, Christmas time. Jeff had said to me, I think you should maybe look into going at this point, the gyms had opened back up and everybody there was, you know, everybody was wearing masks and things like that. And he said, I think you should look into going back to your old gym. And I was really hesitant because I just knew that logistically the amount of time it would take me to get to the gym and then work out. And prior to having a baby, I would spend a lot of time at the gym and not most of it was working out. Most of it was socializing with my friends. And I just knew I didn't have the time to go and spend three hours a few times a week at the gym. So um, I reached out to a friend, her name is Sam, and she invited me to come work out with her. And I went to her house one day in December and she said, so what are you going to do today? And I was like, I don't really know. I don't have anything planned. And she said, well, why don't you do my workout with me? And my friend Sam is in really incredible shape. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to do this. She's like, no, no, come on. You can do it. Like you can scale it back or modify it if you need to, but come on. So we, we do like a powerlifting type of program. And, uh, that first day, Oh my gosh. It kicked my butt. I was so sore. I remember not the next day, but the following day I was supposed to go work out with her again. And I I rolled over in bed and I could, you know, when you haven't worked out in a long time and you work out for the first time, you can barely move, get out of bed, sit down on the toilet, walk upstairs. You just feel like you got hit by a bus. I texted her (laughs) and I said, Sam, 
I think I'm not going to be able to work out today. You know, I'm just not feeling, feeling too great. And she, you know, gave me hell and was like, no, don't you do that. Get here. Like you'll feel better after you get this workout and come on, like you, you have to just stick with it. And I was like, all right. And I did. And I, I went back to her house and we continued to work out together. And I'm happy to say that her and I have been working out together now for seven and a half months. And it's been one of the greatest things in my life. Um, I, I absolutely love training with her. It's, it's inspiring. It's motivating. It's, it's great. So, well, you know, what's cool about that though, it's more than just, um, physical it's, it's mental too, because you're, you're nurturing this relationship and this friendship with Sam and that's bringing you joy and being able to connect with people who make you feel heard and seen loved and things that are important to you are important to them as well. That, that too is, is important. So even if someone wasn't an avid, you know, um, if they didn't work out all the time and that wasn't what's important to them, just making time for friendships or having a conversation, which especially like you were saying in the early days or when you're feeling overwhelmed can be so difficult, but sometimes you just have to do it. And even if you don't want to, and you felt like you got hit by a bus and when you roll out of bed and, and you got, got there, I bet you after that workout, you were so grateful that you, you know, you, you pushed through the mental exhaustion yes. and the your mind saying, don't do it. And you did it and you felt good at the yes. end. And I, and I think that's true with so many things that are good for us that we mm. think like, Oh, I don't want to do this. I just don't feel like it. I don't have the energy. I don't want to put forth the eff- effort, but then once you finish or accomplish whatever it was that you, you know, were putting off, you feel so much better afterwards. So absolutely. So, yeah. So working out with Sam was super motivating. Um, it motivated me to start working with somebody to dial in my nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I start in February, I started working with my friend, um, Joelle, who owns beyond the weights, which is a coaching, um, company that her and her wife own, and they help, uh, different people achieve their exercise, nutrition, lifestyle goals and, and, and whatnot. And I've really enjoyed working with her to dial in my nutrition and just be more mindful of what I'm eating and how I'm feeling my body. And it's been going really well. So I do think that I do do things to take care of myself other than working. What, what else? Is there anything else other than working out that you do? Yes, I do have to. It's, it's hard because I'm like, do I, I don't know, but yes, I think I do. I, I like to go for walks around my neighborhood. Your ice cream, your ice creams are your favorite. Oh, yeah. So I, I love ice cream. I love real ice cream, but I, on a, I probably eat Yasso bars, which are frozen yogurt on a daily basis. I have like at least one every single day. So I do that. Um, I guess, you know, if I want something, I usually get it. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't want to sound spoiled or like a brat, but if there's something that I have my eyes on, I typically won't have to think twice about like, Oh, can I buy it? Like I'll typically like look at the budget and be like, okay, yep. It'll work this month. Or if not, you know, I'll save for it and I'll purchase it the next month. So I'll do little things like that to treat myself, but you know, I mean, I, I just actually recently went to the library and picked up a few books because I do enjoy reading. It's just not something that I've You've had a luxury of time. Yeah. That, or just not something that I've consistently done, but I've really been trying to be mindful of how much time I'm spending on social media because mm-hmm. I find social media can really be a drain on my, my mental health big time. Mm-hmm. And I'll just get lost on there. And like, time will go by. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I just wasted so much time that I could have been 
being productive or watching a show that I actually enjoy. Cause you know, oftentimes you'll be on social media and you get off and you just don't feel good. So I, mm-hmm. I picked up a book and I've been reading that and it's an interesting book. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it yet. I'm like 120 pages in, but yeah. So those are the, some of the things that I do on the day to day to take care of myself. And there's always things that I can do to improve, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's a learning curve. And again, the seasons are going to push you to points where you'll have maybe, and, and you'll get to maybe, you know, when you have, when you grow your family and you have more than one kid, the time that you'll be able to set aside for yourself is going to be less or different and you'll have to make the most of it. But kind of like what you said, especially when you're feeling drained, you have to find what brings your soul fire, like what ignites you, because you need to keep that piece of you burning. Otherwise you'll have nothing left and you turn into like this shell of a person and you you're just doing the mundane things and you find yourself wondering like, what am I, how am I going to make it through this? What is going on here? Like, how do I get to the next step here? Um, and that's something that's, you know, it's an ongoing process for sure. And each season of life is going to bring you in different directions and different times. But even if it's a five, five minutes at the end of the day to meditate or to journal or to scroll Facebook mindlessly, if that's what brings you joy, do it and, and don't feel guilty about doing it. hundred percent agreed. So what do you do Kiana to take care of yourself? So this kind of self-awareness journey started, I want to say like a couple, maybe like a year and a half ago when we had moved out of our old house and I did do things for myself, but it was never, it was always an afterthought. It was never putting myself to the forefront saying you need to do this because you need, you are a person and you need to be taken care of as well. Um, but so it hit me. We, we, I finally, Nick and I pandemic hit and we hadn't had any time or whatever. And we ended up having somewhere to go. I forget where. And it was our anniversary. We're going to go out on a dinner date. And we finally found someone to watch the kids and we had a date and I had a meltdown because I, I had nothing to wear. And I know that that sounds so um, simple and like petty, but I didn't feel good in any of the clothes that I owned. And I felt like I was not worthy. And that, when it hit, when it, that hit me, I had, I had a breakdown and I just started crying and Nick's like, what is the matter? And I'm like, none of the clothes I have make me feel confident. Like I, I have, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Never mind Like the clothes that I'm trying to clothe my body on. And we're going to have our anniversary dinner. And I feel unworthy. I feel like I'm not a value right now. And he like, was like, okay, that's it. Like we are going to teach. He's like, how, how many times do you go to TJ Maxx a week? And I'm like, like once a week. And he's like, well, why aren't you buying stuff for yourself? And it was always, you know, why would I buy stuff for myself when I could buy stuff for the kids? They needed stuff. I'm an adult, you know, for the most part, I'm roughly the same size I've been most of my life. So it's not like my clothes don't, and they, but they, but they didn't, my clothes didn't fit me anymore. And it was getting to that point. And he was like, you know what? Like, I don't know why this is a hard concept for you, but you are allowed to, to buy yourself a piece of clothing or you are allowed to do something for yourself. So, um, he was really sweet. And he was like, you know, before, before we go to dinner, cause we had had a reservation, he's like, we're going straight to, where do you want to go? You want to go to TJ Maxx? You want to go to target? Where are we going? And we're finding you an outfit that you feel good in. And then we're going to go to dinner and, you know, and, and we, and, and we did, and that kind of, I had a conversation and I, it's not that I needed his permission, but hearing him say to me, you know, you are a person of value that needs to be taken care of as well. It hearing him, my partner and my husband and the father of the kids who we both have to take care of say to me, you know, you are a person that needs to be taken care of as well in this whole family. It kind of gave my, it gave me the right to give myself permission to do things 
like buy myself an outfit when I see something that I really liked. And that kind of sparked a little bit of a shopping spree. And he gave me like $150 and he was like, go fill your closet with clothes that you feel comfortable in. You know, and he's like, it's one thing if you just ever over the course of a year, every couple of weeks, you spend 20 bucks and get the pants you want or 40 bucks to buy the pants that are in sale, whatever it is. And he kind of ignited the idea that I do need to be taken care of as well. And shortly after that, with feeling uncomfortable in my skin, I started talking with you and you were kind of on your journey about health and fitness after having the baby and getting back into it. And you motiv- motivated me to do something physical for myself, because if I was feeling uncomfortable in my skin, I was the only person that could do something about it. And I'm not saying that like to be like pity or, you know, like I felt like, but it doesn't matter who you are. If you look in the mirror and you don't like who's looking back, no one is responsible for changing that feeling or fixing that except for yourself. And that's kind of when it hit me that like, you can sit here and feel sorry for yourself because you don't like who you're seeing in the mirror mentally or physically. But at the end of the day, you have no one to blame, but yourself. And if you're not better than the person you were yesterday, you know, whatever you're trying to achieve, then shame on you Mm -hmm. for, for, because you're creating this cycle of, you know, of, I don't even know, like self-hatred or self-doubt. And you can't, get out of that. If you continue to like fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. Like if you are waking up every day, feeling sorry for yourself and I get it, I've been there. I'm still there. I go through those things, but at the, but after you have those moments of doubt, you have to pick yourself up and say like, I am the one that's responsible for my happiness. I am the one who's responsible for the person looking in the mirror and what am I doing to change it? And if you're doing nothing, then you don't get that right to feel sorry for yourself because you're not changing it. You're not doing anything to make it better. And I guess it was more of a call to action than a idea of taking care of myself of like, all right, put your big girl panties on and pull it together. You're going to get yourself in shape. You're going to get healthy. You're going to eat healthy and you're going to dress cute because that's what makes us feel good. (laughs) And that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's so, that's so nice to hear that, that Nick was the one who motivated you to kind of not give you permission but let you know that it's okay to spend some money on yourself because I I know you over the years too. Like, I don't know. That was probably the first time that you've spent money on yourself in a long time. Like, I can't tell you how many times Kiana is like, oh, I don't buy myself new stuff. I always have to buy stuff for the kids. I always have to buy stuff for this person or that person, but you never, ever buy stuff for yourself. Whereas like me, I'm the complete opposite. I'm always buying myself stuff. And when I have to buy other people things, I'm like, mm, <laughs> mm, well, I don't know what they want, you know? So, which I think that there's a, again, like in, in that tips, the hat to the balance, right? Like it's not healthy what I do. And I, and it, I don't think it's fully healthy what you do, but there's a, there's a happy medium, right? Where we have to have some semblance of, we need to take care of ourselves while taking care of others around us. And it's an ever, you know, ever going battle that you have to make. It's, it's a choice. It's the choices that you make every day. You got to wake up and choose to be better than who you were yesterday or to do something about it. Totally. So that's what you've been doing to take care of yourself. Now, while you've been taking care of yourself and gone through, you know, this idea of, okay, well, I need, you know, you fell off the ability to work out and, and cause you had the baby and he was young and now you're getting back into it and, and it kind of changed, right? Like it went from you working out at the gym several hours. to now you're working out with Sam and it's a little, the schedule is a little bit shorter as far as what you're doing for yourself. But what are some things that you're learning or about learning about yourself as you're getting older and having been through, you know, single and then with a boyfriend and then with a baby and now married life, are there things that you're learning about yourself that you didn't know before? Yeah. So one thing that I've learned pretty recently is that I actually do 
enjoy alone time. Mm -hmm. I always thought that I loved being around people all of the time. I needed just somebody to talk to, somebody to be with, you know, always. And since having a child and since now having to be, you know, kind of forced into that, always being with somebody a hundred percent of the time that needs you and needs so much from you. I have really learned to love having time to myself. And right now that looks like, you know, after the baby goes down to bed, I have a couple of hours in the evening to do whatever I want to do, you know, within limits, obviously it's usually me just downstairs in my kitchen, either cleaning or listening to podcasts or getting stuff ready for the next day, or just working on something that I want to do or reading my book, you know, having that time to myself where my phone is on mute. I don't have Jeff needing my attention, the baby needing my attention. I can just focus on myself. And that I think is a hard thing to do because a lot of times, you know, when you're not I always feel like I always have a hundred things to do. So even on a day off, it's like, it's not really a day off because I have this day off. So that way I can go get X, Y, and Z done. So I've definitely learned to enjoy my, my alone time. I've actually started to um, build into my schedule with work, taking days off during the week where I leave Jeffrey in daycare. Mm -hmm. So that way I actually can have a true day off. Right. And, you know, at first I felt a little guilty. To do that, you know, if I'm not working, I should pull him out of daycare. He should be with me, but we need time to do things by ourselves and And recharge for sure. For sure. It'll, it'll make me a better person. It'll make me a better mom. And then when I am with other people, I have more to give and I'm not just running on E trying to satisfy my own needs and my husband's needs and my baby's needs and my friend's needs. It can Mm -hmm. be, it can be a lot. So that's something that I've learned. You know, it's funny. I think you and I are similar in that aspect of being, um, what are they called? Extroverts, I think. Wanting to like be around people, people, people. But yes, I am also, and you and I will spend hours a day on the phone sometimes. But I, I too am realizing that as scary as alone time is, it's also... I, I don't know. There's something about it that is, re- that is refreshing and addicting almost to the point where I will yes. literally, it's bad. You can attest to this. I will like put my phone away and shut it down. And we, we have like group chats and everyone else is talking to the group chat and I mm-hmm. haven't responded like all day. And Tyler will like text me in the morning. And I, if I did miss the phone call and then she'll text me again. And like, it gets to be like three o'clock. And she's like, are you alive? I haven't heard from you all day. I'm like, sorry. I just, I, you know, I needed a day to just do, do something like, you know, delve into something like a book. So if I get addicted to a book, I'll literally put my phone in the other room and just shut down the world around me, which is totally okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to do it except when I'm calling you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no. I, and I get that. And I think it's hard sometimes to get that when, you know, you, you feel recharged and I'm now looking to talk to you and I'm, I'm ready to go. Right. You're feeling like, okay, I need some time. Right. To to regather. But you know what though? I hope that the listeners can, can give themselves permission or feel okay to say that they're not okay. And they don't need to pick up the phone. And I'm not saying this like between you and I, like, obviously no matter what's happening, I can pick up the phone with you. But if I'm not picking it up, it's because I'm making a choice not to pick it up. I'm not dying. Um, because I need, I need a moment. And 
that wasn't something that I was always able to do. That's something that like in the last few months, I've realized that I need, I needed to do for my own mental health and say, you know, as much as talking with you brings me joy, sometimes my energy level and my, you know, the expense of it, of me not having that mental silence or like that mental not need to communicate with other people, it, it, it becomes so daunting and overwhelming that I literally can't even bring myself to have a mundane conversation with a person because I just feel burnt. I feel spent and burnt out and I have nothing left, which is why I tend to throw myself into something like a book that's captivating and keeps my mind engaged well without needing me to be present, if that makes sense. It does makes a lot of sense. So Kiana, what have you been learning about yourself now that you're taking this time to focus on yourself? Um, well, it's funny because we kind of have similar things that we're learning about ourselves as time's growing on and we're growing, but I definitely realize that I am as much as I am a people person, I, I do need my space as well. And the word no is so hard for me. And I feel guilty about saying it even now, even knowing that I need to say it like you know, when I, if I hit ignore on your call or if I don't answer my phone, cause it's in the other room, I, I, I do feel guilty about it. And, and I need to consistently remind myself that it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. The world is not falling. I just have to, you know, I just have to keep moving forward and tell and, and reassuring myself that I am a person that's worth, you know, putting as a priority on the list of things to do. And as I need to learn how to silence the world, I guess. And, and that's kind of sometimes what I'm, what I'm slowly, slowly being able to do silence my mind and silence the world around me to be able to recuperate. And I don't know if it's called meditating, but something like that. I think that I'd like to give meditation a try because I hear it's extremely helpful. Yeah. I've, I've tried to do it in the past, but I've never really successfully stuck with it. Mm. It's worth trying. They have like apps that you can use to do it. Yeah. And, and I think meditating to each people, people are different. Like, um, re- more recently we've been going outside and hiking and that's really hard to do with a five-year-old and a 10-year-old who are complaining the entire time. But, um, recently when we went on vacation, we were able to do it while someone else was watching the kids and it was almost a nine mile hike and it was like 1900 feet elevation. So it was not like a starting hike. Like that's definitely not something that for people who don't hike, but not even getting to the end of the hike and getting to see like, you know, the high point that wasn't the highlight, like walking through the woods and only being able to hear like nature doing its thing and seeing moss and fog and trees. That was so, um, refreshing and recharging for me, which is weird because I never thought I would like to like be in the woods, but whatever ignites your soul, man, you got to follow it. Like whatever it is, you got to figure it out and learn and learn yourself. Like it's, it's almost like you have to like date yourself to figure out, okay, who is this person, you know, without anyone else attached to it and what brings them joy and what, you know, what makes them spin. But Kiana, are there any things that you wish to do for yourself, but you haven't been able to, maybe you want to start working on those? Yeah. So right now I don't, I have, I have quite a bit of time. I've just recently come into quite a bit of time for myself. Um, but I, I would like to start journaling, um, because I really think that getting, I feel like my mind is kind of a whirlwind all the time and there's so many things going through it. And it feels like the lists, like we were talking about earlier about how, you know, it can be daunting to think about all of the things you're like, there's always something to do. And I've really felt like journaling or expressing myself creatively. So like throwing myself into a sport as an adult or a, um, artistic thing, like maybe throwing or doing clay, making clay pots, or even a painting class 
there are things like that, that I'd like to do to grow the person that I'm becoming and to kind of find out, you know, what it, what it is that really, you know, sets my heart on fire and gets, and gets me going. Um, and I really, I, it's coming, it's coming. Eventually I'll get there, but I'd like to learn an instrument. I'd like to, I'd like to take up an art and I'd like to maybe, maybe one day I'm toying around. It's silly. I know. I don't even want to say it a lot. It sounds silly, but maybe I might do like local theater, which I've always, always interested me. Wow. I know it's always interested me, but like, I'm a, that's really I'm a cool. scary cat for sure. But, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Bradley's still doing it, but maybe audition for a play one day. That would, that would be really cool. And I would be there in the first row. I don't know if I could do it. If you were in the first row staring at me, you'd make me laugh or maybe not the first row. I don't know if that would hurt my neck, but, but no, that, but seriously, that that's mm-hmm. so cool. I, I had no idea that that was something that maybe would interest you. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. What about you? So I don't know if this counts because I technically just did it this week, but it was my first mm-hmm. time doing it in a long time. And it was something that I really wanted to do but hadn't been. So before I had the baby and then, um, afterward I was volunteering with a local rescue to walk dogs. Mm -hmm. It was something that gave me so much joy and I loved having it in my schedule. And then we moved, we moved to a, a different town and I was a little bit further from the, the rescue. So it just, I had a new baby. I was back to work. It just made it really hard. And I, I just had needed a break from it. And I, I took off about seven months, I think from volunteering to go walk the shelter dogs. And this week was my first week back. And I, en- mm-hmm. I ended up with a dog named Howie and he's really just a cow. He, uh, <laughs> it, it was quite hot that day, but he just doesn't like to walk. So <laughs> I was so excited to go for a nice walk and he just, he, he laid, um, <laughs> and we made it about maybe half a mile from the shelter. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was a hot day. I'm not going to downplay that at all. So mm-hmm. he literally was laying on the side of the road and a, a one car, a woman drove by and like, he looked like he had gotten hit by a car. Like he just, he did <laughs> not have it in him. This dog was not moving. This one was like, I have water. Do you need a ride? And I'm like, no, we're good. Like, I'm like, come on, <laughs> Howie, like you're making me look bad. And then, um, so she drives off and then I can only volunteer for an hour. Cause I have to be back in town to pick up Jeffrey from daycare. So Mm -hmm. we're approaching like the time that I have to leave. I have 15 minutes and I'm like, Oh gosh, like there's no way we're going to make it back to the pound in time for me to leave. So our group has like a a chat and I say, text a group. I'm like, Hey guys, like, is anybody still at the shelter? Like we might need a ride. And I wasn't hearing from anybody. And now this woman starts like marching towards us with like, you know, one of those collapsible dog bowls. And I, I, mm-hmm. I had one strapped to my fanny pack. I had water in my backpack. Trust me. He had just had water. Like he did not need water. He was okay. <laughs> and she's like, I've got fresh, cold water. Is he okay? And I'm like, Oh, he's <laughs> fine. Don't worry. Like he just doesn't like to walk. And she's like, where are you coming from? Are you coming from the shelter right there? I'm like, yes. And she's like, do you want to ride back? And I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's allowed. And she's like, you just get in my car. I'm like, Oh, Howie. Okay. <laughs> so she opens her back seat and it, she had like towels and stuff down. And she's like, this is my daughter's car. She told me I wasn't allowed to put any dogs in it, but I put my dog in it. She'll never know. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I'm getting into this strange woman's car with like the shelter dog. 
I mean, we only drove like half a mile back to the pound, but it was, it was really funny. And it was, I guess, you know what though, I have to say, Ty, when you're telling this story, like, and it's a funny story, but I can see the joy that it brings you. Yeah. Like it really does like bring you so much. I'm, I'm looking at your face right now as you're sitting under a blanket. Cause she couldn't record in her normal <laughs> spot. Cause her, her, she's like, she's adjusting the blanket. I can only see that like from her nose down and she's talking and I'm trying not to laugh into the mic, but as she's telling the story, I'm really seeing her face light up and, and find pure enjoyment, even though Howie's a potato and he didn't want to go for a walk. You really enjoyed that time that you spent doing that. I did. Yeah, I did. And um, I'm so happy to be back and I might not be able to do it every week, but. Right. But finding time here and yeah, there is what's important. Spending, spending time, getting to spend time and go walk dogs as something fun to do and helping out with the shelter is something that I would like to do. I'd like to continue to keep doing it. And, um, Hopefully next week I get somebody who actually wants to go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, We're naturally approaching our end. So why don't we talk about our moments of grace and say our goodbyes? Yes. So my moment of grace this week was my friend Becky came up. I feel like I've talked about Becky on every episode. It's okay. Becky's worth mentioning every episode. Yeah, she actually, she mentioned it to me. She was like, hey, I was listening to your podcast and you mentioned me like two episodes. I was like, oh, okay. So here we go again, (laughs) Becky. Um, She came up to visit me this past weekend and I wanted to take her out on the town and like just explore. And Jeffrey was having a day, a hard day. And I think he was tired (laughs) and it was hot. It wasn't too hot, but it was just enough hot, muggy. So we, we tried to like go out to this restaurant and it just was not happening. First, they sat us at this table that had like peeling paint or something, wood, I don't know. And I went to brush crumbs off and I got a splinter and I was like, ow. And so the baby was Yikes. moving his hands on the table and I was like, this isn't going to work. I don't want him to get a splinter. So I looked at the hostess. I said, could you please move us to that table over there? It was a more smooth table. She's like, mm-hmm. uh, sure. I don't actually know if it was the host or the waitress. But anyways, we changed tables and we're sitting there and a waitress never came back. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And I was getting a little antsy. We were sitting outside and like, there was like a plant box and like the plant was touching my arm and I just didn't like it. And it was too hot and the table was too small and the baby was touching everything and he was getting fussy. And then all of a sudden they brought out like what I thought was like, you know how some restaurants do like chips and salsa. Well, this Mm -hmm. is like a Mediterranean restaurant. So they brought out a fresh hummus and like a veggie veggie platter. And I was like, Oh, this is great. I was going to say that sounds really yeah, good. It was like amazing. And so we're eating it. And Becky's like, that was way too nice for that to be like a free on the house kind of thing. And I'm like, what? And then I was like, Ugh. I'm like, where are these waitresses? This is taking forever. And so finally I'm like, you know what? Like the baby was really losing it at this point. I go inside. I'm like, hi, like we got reset. And like, we haven't had a waiter or waitress come by. Like I don't know what's going on. And the waitress was like, well, I'm not your waitress. And that was the same waitress that moved us. So I think what Mm -hmm. happened was we were her table when we were at that first table, then we moved and we were no longer her table. So she got mad and like, didn't tell the other server that they were sat and just Mm -hmm. let us sit there. And then the food runner brought us food for the wrong table. It was a mess. Anyways, this guy comes out the waiter and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm your server. Like, has anybody been with you? And we're like, no, but we're actually, Becky's like, we'll take the check for this and we'll go. And, and you should see my face. I was like, the check? We didn't order this. 
<laughs> so um, he was like, no, no, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> we'll cover that. Like that was supposed to go to the table behind you. And I'm like, yeah, you're damn right. Um, you are so funny. Wait, so what's the moment of grace? Did you give the waiter grace? What happened? I gave myself grace and Becky grace because I was just like, I, I felt really bad. I was like, Peggy, I'm sorry. I just don't think it's going to work. We're not going to be able to sit down right now. I was like, do you want to go get ice cream? That's quick. So we gave ourselves grace and that we did not sit through that experience because it was awful. Sorry, that was a long story. Um, and we just went and got ice cream and then came back to the house and had more of moments of grace while Jeffrey threw temper tantrums. And it was wonderful. It was so good. Yeah. It, was it was so good. Getting through so all that. great. But what about you, Kiana? What was your moment of grace? This week? <laughs> well, now I feel like no matter what I say, it'll never amount to your moments of grace because it sounds like the whole day was just a pure, just, just lots of it. Um, so my moment of grace was, um, I, we've been trying to be a lot healthier as a family and I, we had a, I had a weak moment and I bought us all ice cream. And the other day we're all home, we're getting ready to like plan dinner. And I was like, you know what? I could go for some ice cream. Can anyone else go for some ice cream? And I, all of us, my whole family, and we have the Yasso bars too. That's what, um, my family likes as well. So we had ice cream for like dinner and then we had appetizers for dinner. So we had like hot dogs and, and ice cream. And I wasn't mad about it. I was like, you know what? This is okay. It's okay to have a balance and to eat ice cream for dinner first. And I have to say as a mom who worries, Oh, if they eat their ice cream, they're not gonna eat the rest of the food. Grace and Jack ate their food after that. They both ate a hot dog. Granted it's a hot dog. I'm not asking him to eat broccoli and asparagus, but it was a moment that I allowed to happen for my family and for our family to have that moment of grace and eat ice cream for dinner on, on the, in the summer, which was really, really enjoyable. I want to come over for dinner because I love ice cream and I like a good well, hot there's dog. There's that. So. All right. Well, I can't believe we are on Epworld. We're finishing up episode eight and we'll be bringing you episode nine next week. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you've made it through all of these episodes with us, we appreciate your support and your continued time, I guess. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate you listening. I'm going to get out of here because I think I'm melting underneath this blanket. Bye. (laughs) We'll talk soon, guys. Bye.